Hey, thanks for joining us for another message from the City Church. We're a local church in Mississauga, Ontario, gathering in community as we move closer to Jesus. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Brent Coulter, encourages you wherever you're joining us from today. Uh, 
So a don't quit spirit. And so we have that tremendous legacy as a church. So we want to continue that legacy of generosity. And what we're doing with this legacy offering, like I said, is over and above our normal tithes and offerings. We as a church, uh, with the tithes and offerings that you are giving, we are able to operate in the black, which is fantastic. I know a lot of churches have struggled over this last season, but thank you for your continued generosity. And what we're going to be doing with this legacy offering is four things. We are going to be continuing to plant churches in Canada, to give to plant more churches in Canada. Canada needs more churches, not less. Can I get an amen? So true. And so we're going to be doing that. We're going to be uh, supporting existing local churches, supporting other pastors, being uh, a blessing to other church staff. This is something that we have already done, but we want to continue to do that. And then we have opportunities at different times. We host events for other churches and other leaders and other staffs at different times. And, and what we, we are the city church for a reason. And when we bless these other churches, we are blessing those cities that those churches are in. The second thing that we want to do with this legacy offering is we want to do local good works. We want to feed people in our region. Uh, we want to do some things. Uh, we want to bless some people in our region in and around Christmas time. And so I mentioned last week one of the things, depending on the money that comes in, I, I would love to give away a, a car to a solo mom in our region. Don't you think that would be a good idea? So it's going to take some money to be able to do that. Um, we want to do some things internationally, people that are preaching the gospel internationally and doing great things in the name of Jesus internationally. We we'll want to give to some of those organizations. And then finally, right here at our church, we want to invest into our building and our own programs. Like I said last week, uh, one of the areas that needs to be updated is actually the only area that didn't get updated in our renovations of the building 10 years ago was the two bathrooms upstairs. We want to do that. They are really dated and they are really old. And so we want to update those bathrooms. Some of the other areas in our kids' ministry, the forum, we want to take care of some of those things. And like I said last week, you know, this is a challenge of generosity that I am taking with you. Again, none of this offering that's coming in for our legacy offering is going to me or our staff. It is going to these four areas. And like I said last week, you know, I, I want you to not have your pastor outgive you. And I, I gave a couple of examples of how, for us, you know, before uh, COVID hit, we were averaging about 600 adults uh, on a Sunday, 200 kids. And I don't know exactly how many people are attending our church right now. It's very hard to tell by views online. Um, but like I said, if, if those 600 adults um, gave $25 extra every Sunday in June, that would be $100 a month of June. That would take us to $60,000. And that's an easy goal for us. Now, but I didn't say that for you to say, yeah, $100. Some of you could do way more than that, 10 times more than that. I, I said that me and my wife are going to do at least three times more of that, more than that. And again, you don't want your pastor to give you. Know, my dad told me, I didn't ask him, but he just happened to tell me how much he's given the legacy offering. And it's actually at this moment, I think I might try to beat him, more than what my wife and I are giving. And what I want to say is you don't want to let an 83-year-old retired pastor outgive you, do you, City Church family? <laughs> let me encourage you from the scripture. Second Corinthians chapter 8, the Apostle Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, and he's talking about another church who is generous to the Corinthian church. Let's read what he says. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. Let's read what he said. For there is... In their severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. 
For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. In other words, they chose what they would give. Like I said, I, I can't force you to give anything. I'm not trying to force you to get it, give in any of these offerings, but I, I just want to encourage you with all of the things that they were doing. So this is what Paul is saying. They gave of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in relief of the saints. So in other words, the church in Macedonia was saying, hey, Paul, we want to give some more. We want to be able to, to take part in this offering that's going on. Uh, verse 5, and this, not as we expected, but they gave it themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. And then, so it starts with the heart. Any generosity starts with the heart. According, we urge Titus that as he started, so he should complete among this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, See that you excel in this act of grace also. What act of grace is Paul talking about? The act of generosity. And we need grace to be generous. Because what do we know about all the blessings that we have in our lives? They've all come from God. So God gives us grace to be generous because he is generous. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. Genuine also, again, generosity comes from the heart. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. So I challenge you to give in this legacy offering. Let's do a bunch of good things in our region, in our nation, around the world, and then right here in our own church. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen online in the chat? Thanks for being with us today. All right. When we think about legacy, we might think, you know what, I don't know if I really want to consider this, Pastor Red. It just seems like a big responsibility. And the answer is, we are all creating a legacy, whether we're intentional about it or not. We could create a legacy of apathy. Not trying that hard, not doing a lot, not being intentional about our relationships, not being intentional about being a part of the church, community of faith, not being intentional about growing in our relationship with God. All of that creates a legacy. And we want to create a legacy based on knowing who Jesus is and who God is. And like I mentioned last week, you know, I have a, a tremendous heritage of faith. My mother uh, mentioned my grandfather there in that video who was an immigrant from Finland. Um, he was born in 1903, and he died in 2002, 99 years old. Now, when he died, when he was 99, he was married for seven years to 70 years to my grandmother. He was a little bit of a late starter, got married at 29, but his marriage still lasted 70 years. And he was just a great witness for Christ everywhere he went. So there, uh, he was born in 1903, and I had a relationship with him. He was such a sweet man. He had, he had this uh, little um, book that he would keep up in his shirt, and it had the names of all his children all his grandchildren and all his great-grandchildren, and every day he would pray for us all. How many think that's a good heritage? That's a good legacy. And see, we can do this. We can start this. As, as my parents said in the video there, as we talked about, you think, well, I, I don't have that heritage of Facebook. You can start it right now. 
You can start a, a, a heritage of faith right now in your family or right now with your friends. If you don't have an extended family, uh, make that a goal for all of us. And so there he was born in 1903, and I know I knew him well. And as I was as extending out uh, with my math skills into the future, my grandchildren, who I would expect to live um, for uh, another at least 80 years from now, that's going to be a span of 200 years that my grandfather had influence over generations. And that our influence can carry out for centuries. So our legacy is really important. And we, and we think about our past and we can think of somebody that was tremendously influential in our lives. We can be that person for somebody else. We can remember somebody at church that encouraged us, or maybe a couple whose marriage encouraged us. Somebody who had strong faith in God. We can be that person for somebody else. Like I said, here is the, pl- the problem found in Judges chapter 2, verse 10. This is the generation that followed up after Joshua, who came after Moses. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. So we got Moses, famous Moses. We got Joshua, and then that generation that followed after Joshua. And then soon after, there was a whole generation that didn't even know God. Think about that. And how important our legacy of faith is. It is always my wonder when I'm driving around different parts of Ontario and and I see old church buildings that aren't churches anymore. Now, there is a possibility that those churches move to other larger church buildings. I hope that's true. But I feel like sometimes the story is the church just died with the oldest generation, that they weren't able to convey their faith to the following generation. That's why we have the facilities that we do for children, because we believe this is important. This is why we have spaces for young people, because we believe this is important. Whatever age we are, we don't want our faith to just die with us. The Apostle Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13, Follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. There's something that's been entrusted to us. Thank God for salvation. Thank God for the favor of God. Thank God for the blessings of God. Thank God for a relationship with Him. But with all of that, something has been entrusted to us that we would train others who would train others also, the Scripture says. And what has been left to us, there's a pattern of faith and love. There's a pattern of the great commandment, which is love, and the great commission, which includes faith in Jesus. And this is the thing that's been entrusted to us. The preaching of the gospel, that people would put their faith in Jesus for salvation, put their faith in Jesus to have a relationship with God, not faith in themselves, not faith in religion. Not faith in their own goodness and their own righteousness, but man, faith in the righteousness that God gives. And then what? The great commandment to live by love. This has been entrusted to us. 
It's, it's the pattern of sound words. Will we embrace it? Will we, encourage, will we increase the legacy that God has given to us? You know, we talked last week at the end about Elijah and Elisha and how Elisha did twice as much as what Elijah did. And see, this is what we want to think about as, as a generation that follows another generation. We want to thank God for what they have provided for us. The foundation that they have created for us. And what we want to do is we want to do more, not less. We, want, we don't want to do half as much as the previous generation. We want to do twice as much as the previous generation. We want to reach twice as many people. We want to reach twice as many children and students and, and adults. And we want to feed twice as many people in our region. And we want to help twice as many churches in the nation. This is how we should embrace the legacy that God has given to us. See, and there's no plan B. Plan A is Jesus and his church. And that's you and me. The Jesus group is the church. Do you love the church this morning? It's the Jesus family. Let me give you some definitions of the church. It's, it's the gathering. It's the called out ones. It's the assembly. It's the family of God. It's the community of faith. It's a living organism of people related to Christ and to one another. It's his body. It's the group through which the mystery of the gospel is proclaimed and lived out. It, lived out. it is the dwelling place of God's spirit. It's the household of faith. And what the world needs right now is the church. There's a lot of futile attempts in the world going on. And what the world needs is the church. We need to embrace the idea that what we have, the, the pattern of sound words, faith, and love, that those are the things that are going to bring positive change to the world. And this is the legacy that we have been given. See, we don't need the new ideas from the culture. The culture needs to be affected by the ideas that God has given. But there's no solutions coming. There's no new solutions coming from the universities. You should, if, you're, if you don't believe me, go study it out. There's no new ideas how to fix human hearts because the only way to change a human heart is through salvation. It is through the love of God. Amen. This is what the world needs right now. It needs the church to be the church. And I'm just going to keep saying it. Matthew chapter 16, verse 14. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, he's trying to find out who they're saying who Jesus is because there's a lot of things being said about Jesus. And they asked the question, and they, and they said, some say you're John the Baptist, others say you're Elijah. And others say Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 
this understanding of who Jesus is, that he is the son of the living God. That God showed up in the flesh, proclaimed his message, proved to us that he loves us by sacrificing himself on the cross, making a way for us to experience salvation and a relationship with himself. This is what the church is built on. And then what does Jesus say about the church? Jesus says, I will build my church. Are we in the construction business with Jesus or not? What is Jesus building? The church. What should his followers build? The church. The gathering. The called out ones. Am I doing my part to build the church? Or am I just wanting God to build my things? Is my time in prayer, okay, God, I need you to fix my wife. God, I need you to fix my husband. God, I need you to fix my kids. God, I need you to fix my body and my finances. And then maybe he wants to start to talk to me about serving at church. He's like, God, I got to go. Prayer time is done. (laughs) Or are we building the thing that he is building? Because he's building the church. Like I said, and it's a miracle that we are here today, 120 people in the upper room, an unlikely cast of characters. And here we are. Jesus is building his church. I have a question for you again. If everyone in the church participated like you do, and serves like you do, and gives like you do, and prays like you do, and worships like you do, and grows in relationships like you do, what would the church be like in 20 years? Am I involved? Am I giving like previous generations gave? Am I serving like previous generations gave? Am I wrestling through my questions like previous generations did so that we could be here? Getting to worship and lift up the name of Jesus. He's building his church. Do we see ourselves as vital and important in the family of God? But here's the problem about church. And I'm a lifer, friends. 51 years old, I've been in church 51 years, nine months. I am a lifetime membership in the church universe. Here is the problem with the church. There's people there. There's people at church. That is the problem with the church. Is there's people there. And someone's like, yeah, as we're down for Jesus, and you said Jesus, but then you said Jesus in the church. But I just want to let you know that I have been hurt at church. And I just want to let you know that so have I. But that's not enough reason for us to give up on building the church because we've been hurt by other humans at the church. 
You still go to work, don't you? You got hurt at work one time, I guarantee it. But you didn't quit. Work, because you got hurt. Why would we quit church? Because we got hurt at the church. And if you are a new believer, and you're thinking, I've never been hurt at church. You just haven't been here long enough. <laughs> hang on. Hang out with us for a little while. Somebody is bound to offend you. Somebody is bound to look at the world differently than you do. Somebody, dare I say it, in the church might actually vote differently than you. But that's not my main thing. My main thing is Jesus. My main thing is building the church that Jesus is building. See, here, here is my attitude about the church, and dare I say, we should all adopt it. Is you can't offend me out of the church. And I'm just going to speak on behalf of my own generation right now. I have some whiny friends on Facebook who complain about the church, and they're 50. And I, I type stuff, and then I delete it. And I'm like, grow up! I know that you got hurt, but it's the same thing. There's people there. That's why there's a struggle at the church. And yes, things shouldn't be a certain way, and I agree with all of those things, but that doesn't do away that Jesus is building the church. You can't offend me out of the church. You can't hurt me out of the church. Like, I'm just telling you, if you want to compare notes, most likely I've been hurt more times than you in church. You don't have to pray for me, I'm good. I mean, you can pray for me. But I've worked through a lot of it, and how I've worked through a lot of it is, like I said, there's human beings at the church, and they aren't perfect. That's actually our gathering cry. We need a Savior. So the assumption is that we're a mess. And that we're gathering together with the other people who are a mess. There's bound to be a struggle or two. So you can't offend me out of the church. You can't hurt me out of the church. You can't disillusion me out of the church. Well, why did so-and-so do that? I don't know. They made a mistake. They messed up. Well, you know, Pastor Brent, that just really hurt my faith when that person did that. Well, then your faith was in the wrong thing. Your faith shouldn't have been in them. Your faith is supposed to be in Jesus. You can't disillusion me out of the church. You can't disappoint me out of the church. I'm just so disappointed. The church. You can't disappoint me out of the church. There's humans there. There's humans that lead the church. There's humans that serve in the church. There's humans that attend church. Again, just speaking about my own whiny 50-year-olds online. Well, you know, I just, I just don't feel like I fit in at the church. Nonsense! You're not that smart. You're not that educated. You're not that cool. You're just as messy as the rest of us. Just, I just don't know if I can be a part of the church anymore. Oh, please. 
that we're all a mess. <laughs> that is our thing. We need Jesus, don't we? Come on now. None of us are righteous in and of ourselves. That's our message. We need a Savior. Can't confuse me out of the church. Jesus is building the church. I want to build the church. See, the church is the thing that we could see that's lasted throughout the centuries. The way governments lead and create and do all of these things, man, those things are all going to pass away. Political parties are going to change. They're going to take on different positions. They're going to do different things. There's going to be new crazy ideas that come out of the universities. But the church is the thing that's going to last because Jesus is building the church and the gates of hell. It will not prevail against us. So how do we focus on the right things in the church to create a strong legacy? I have four things for you, and then we're going to be finished. This won't take very long. Because these are the things that we need to create, we need to focus on. Because once again, it's very easy to focus on your mistakes, or my mistakes, or my friend's mistakes, or how I got betrayed, or how I got hurt, or how somebody didn't love me, and somebody didn't look right at me in the kids' ministry, and blah, blah, blah. I've heard it all. I'm just telling you, I have heard it all. And pastor, you walked right by me, and you didn't shake my hand. I just didn't see you. That's it. Relax. I don't have eyes. I'm not one of these beings around the throne that has eyes. I'm just, I'm just a person. <laughs> I wasn't trying to send you a message. <laughs> All that to say, there's a lot of bad stuff that's gone in the church. I agree. But let's not perpetuate those things, right? Let's do some good things. So here's some things that we can focus on create a good legacy in the church. To create a good legacy in the church, we need to focus on the light and not the heat. Let me explain to you what that means. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. So how are we going to grow as individuals? That we're going to sharpen each other. And if we're going to sharpen each other, that means there's going to be some sparks. And that means there's going to be some heat. But sparks bring light. Sparks help me grow up. And what happens to us is that we focus on the heat. We focus on the friction. I had friction at church. Yeah, but you, you, you forgot to think about the light that you got at church. Focus on the light and not the heat. Number two, legacy focus on, focuses on how I am loving not how I'm being loved. John chapter 13, verse 34 says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, this thing, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. And this is the challenge for me as an individual not to see how well I'm being loved, but to love. You are not your brother's keeper. They, they serve the Lord, they don't serve you. 
I used to have, we used to have somebody at the tent in this church, but don't anymore. So we've been saying it freely. They used to come once in a while. It's like, nobody's loving me. And I'm like, you're missing the point. I didn't say it like that. I said it pastoral nicely. I, I'm like, you're missing the point. Don't focus on how people are loving you. You go love somebody. How do you make friends at church? You go show yourself to be friendly. You don't stand in the corner like this. Everybody walking by you. This church isn't very friendly. I'm leaving. It's not how you make friends at church. You show yourself friendly. Sow love and you will reap love. Sow love and you will reap love. Don't wait for someone to love you. This is the thing that Jesus said was the marker for us as Jesus followers. What? That we would love each other. Loving the world is also in the scripture. But right here, this is talking about his followers. So we get a chance to love the mess that is our friend at church. And they get a chance to love the mess that you are at church. By this, Jesus said. People will know that you are mine. So we're going to focus on how I am loving. Number three. Legacy focuses on the wine and not the wine skin. The, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were always coming against Jesus because they weren't keeping certain religious rituals. Matthew chapter 9, verse 14, the disciples of John came to him saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to him, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and they will not fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away, and from the garment, and the worst tear is made. Neither is new wine put in old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst, and the wine is spilled, and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, and so both are preserved. There's the wine, and then there's the container. They would have these wineskins. Basically, it was the skin of an animal. Um, and, and what they would do is they would take the skin of the animal, and they would take everything out of it, and they would pour in the grape juice, and then ferment for a while, but it would be all closed up. And so when the fermentation process was ha would happen, the skin would ferment with the wine. Now, the, the important part was, was what was inside the wineskin, not the container. And what is the wine of our relationship with God? It is knowing God for himself. It is having a relationship with Jesus. It's worshiping God. It, it is the essence of what we do as believers. But what can happen to us? And as I was talking to my parents as we were recording some of these videos... What can happen to us in the church is that we get more enamored with the wine skin than we do with the wine. That we can get more enamored with how church is organized and how it looks and how the preacher dresses or not dresses or wears the clothes that you like or doesn't wear the clothes that you like or the kids' ministry is organized the way that you're used to from your old church or doesn't. And all these different things are wineskin, and people will fight to the death and criticize 
over wineskins, but the wineskins are not the most important thing. It's what's inside the wineskin. And what happens when we put new wine in new wineskin? And this is why the church has been able to survive, because the wineskin didn't actually matter that much. It is the message of Jesus. It is the gospel. It is the Holy Spirit. That's the essence of our message. It's not having a stage that looks like this. This is relevant. It's just a wineskin. It's all that it is. It's a container. But the most important things are Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the scripture says, hey, behold, I'm doing a new thing. And sometimes we have to change how we organize because God is doing a new thing. But we can't get enamored with the wineskins. The wineskin is just the surrounding. This is the process. It's what's inside the wineskin that we want to live in perpetuity. 30 years from now, this church shouldn't look like this. It would need a new wineskin. It's going to need a new delivery method, but the, the wine will still be the same. If you had another four hours, I could talk to you about that as well. Number four, legacy, healthy legacy, strong legacy, focuses on contribution and not consumption. See, I'm so thankful for the technology that we have right now. It's, it's kept us together as a church. This last year and a half or wherever we're at. But what can happen to us is that we think being a Christian is about watching YouTube videos. And watching YouTube online videos just being in a service is not what being a Christian is. It's about contribution to the kingdom. It's about building the church. It's about creating a legacy for future generations. It's about being influential with the gospel. It's about being influential with good things. Luke 22, verse 24. Here's Jesus' disciples. A dispute also arose among them. So that should be good news for us. Sometimes I read over things. In Jesus' disciples, in the twelve, who became eleven because Jesus, Judas committed suicide. In the twelve, they were fighting. It's like church. They had a dispute. <laughs> Aren't you glad the disciples were like, I'm giving up on Jesus because I had a fight with Peter? That's not what they did. A dispute arose all among them as to which of them would be regarded as the greatest. And he said to them, the kings and the Gentiles exercise lord, lordship over them. And those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest. And the leader as the one who serves. That's why we call our city team, we call them servant leaders. Why? Because the greatest in the kingdom are the ones who serve. So what is the leader like? The leader is like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I, Jesus says, I am among you as the one who serves. 
Jesus is saying this. We are followers of Jesus. So what do we, how do we think about ourselves in the context of the church, in the context of the gathering, in the context of the community of faith? It should be with this attitude that Jesus has. They're like, hey, I want to be in charge, Jesus. I want to be in charge in your kingdom. And Jesus is like, the leaders in my kingdom are like the ones who serve. And Jesus said, that's, that's who I'm counted as. So all of us in the family of God, all of us in the church, need to see ourselves as contributors, not just consumers. It's very easy in a consumer culture to see ourselves as consumers. But we have to go against the kingdom of the world to embrace the kingdom of our God. And all of us should see ourselves as contributors. All of us should see ourselves as, yes, I'm being discipled, but I, I want to help disciple somebody else. Yes, I'm being served when I show up on Sunday, but I'm going to help serve somebody else. Um, previous generations and people in this church give their tithes and offerings so I can show up and be a part of the family of God. I am going to give my tithes and offerings so someone else can hear the gospel. There's a greatness serving. It's apropos for all of you here on the city team to be here this morning, and that a bunch of our city team are still watching at home. Thank you for being great in our church. And you're not great in and of yourself. How are we great? We're great when we're like Jesus. We are great when we care for each other. We are great when we cry with one another. We're great when we celebrate with each other. We're great when we encourage each other. We are great when we operate as a family of hope and healing. We are great when we pray for each other and love each other and serve each other. We can create a great legacy of serving here at the City Church as we serve our community preaching the gospel, doing good things, serving our nation, planting churches, encouraging other pastors, serving the world through the preaching of the gospel and the doing of good acts. Let's create a great legacy of serving together. Let's just pray this morning. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. We thank you, Lord, for your word. God, we just thank you that we are a part of your church. We are part of your family. You're part of your gathering that you have built until this moment. God, we want to be builders in your church. We want to be perpetuators of the gospel. God, we just pray that you join us together in love. The gospel brings us together, but then we on purpose love each other and care for each other. We thank you, Lord, for this legacy that you have left us. We are so thankful, Lord, for previous generations that have come, sacrificed, and served, and gave so we can stand here today and worship you. Know about your goodness. Know about our relationship with you. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you are watching us live this morning, you 
watching a rebroadcast of this message and you have never said yes to Jesus, I'm going to pray a prayer here in a second and I invite you to pray along with me. The gospel, the good news is all about Jesus, that he came, he lived a sinless life, he died on the cross. God raised him from the dead and then because of all of that, God offers us righteousness, right standing with himself. We don't have right standing with God because we're perfect people, because we certainly are not perfect people. We don't have right standing with God because we create some sort of religion and then offer that to God. No, God offers us a gift of salvation. All we have to do is say yes. So you follow along with me just as a starting point in your relationship with God today. So everybody in the room, let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. Let's pray this out loud together. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he came and lived a sinless life. That he died on the cross. And you raised him from the dead. So I could know you. So I say yes to that gift today. I say yes to your salvation. God, I call you my father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen in. Be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for other messages. For more content from The City Church or to connect with us, visit us at thecitychurch.ca or find us on Facebook or Instagram at citychurchgta. Thanks again for joining us.